Hallelujah. Can you just keep that song again up there, Waymaker? Thank you, worship team. This morning, which one of those, maybe all of those, but right now in your 2019, as you see with hope what's coming, I, I want you to just say, what, what is it part of God's identity? Our, our God is a big God. Sometimes we focus on our problems and we think our God is as big as our problem. Anybody with me? You know I can see you. Okay. Which one? Waymaker? Miracle worker? Promise keeper? Maybe you say, you know what? I feel like I've just been in darkness. Good news. He's the light that's going to come in darkness. Darkness can't hide when the light shows up. I love that. love that. This morning, get out your Bibles and turn to Genesis chapter 37. Last week we talked about the, the ability to be content in every situation. We talked about how gratitude is the continual attitude of the believer because even though that we're believing not, not just to settle, that God always has something else for us that we're continually processing it out when, when we get revelation in our life and then we process it, we work it out in our life. In other words, we work our faith. Faith without works is what? Dead. I mean, it's gone. It's done. So we know that faith, we don't just speak it out of our mouth, but we have faith, therefore we work our faith. Well, pastor, I tried that faith one time and it didn't work. No, faith tried you and you didn't work. So this morning we're going to look at some things in the Scripture as the Bible is there for our understanding and also the people in the Old Testament are for our examples and illustrations. So let's look at Genesis uh, verse 37. Keep in mind, is he a way maker, a miracle worker, a promise keeper? Or is he the light in your darkness? Whatever this year looks at this point in January, we know it's going to look different as the year goes on. Genesis chapter 37, we're going to be talking about Joseph today. And it goes like this. Okay, I'm going to start at verse 3. So just hold it right there and I'll catch up with you in a minute. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of their sons because he had been born to him in an old age. And he made a richly ornament robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him, they hated him, and could not speak a kind word to him. Now verse 5, it says, Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. Joseph had a dream. Now, what we're talking about today is more than just when you go to sleep in la-la land. You know what I'm saying? We're talking about having a vision. And he has a vision of what's to come. If you go down to verse 9, it says, Then he had another dream. This guy is amazing. Then he had another dream, and he told it to his brothers. If you go down to verse 18... It says, so Joseph went after his brothers, because in, in the story, let me give you a little background. Joseph is sent to his brothers to give them food and just to kind of check up on them. So you can imagine him traveling maybe days to get to them, and they seem coming. This is the, the music in the movie starts. Okay, here we go. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan, but they saw him from a distance. And before he reached it, reached them, they plotted to kill him. In other words, you can say that his reputation preceded him. 
He, they saw him from a distance, and all of a sudden, who he was and his identity began to play over in their minds. Everybody with me? Now, now put yourself in this place. Have you ever had a revelation that God had given you, a, an understanding of the Word of God, that now that you're working out in your life, you're, you're doing more than just speaking faith, but you're actually working the faith that God has given you. They saw him from a distance, and they plotted to kill him. In verse 19 it says, Here comes that dreamer. They said among themselves, here, here he comes. Here's that guy that has a dream. It, it says they plotted to kill him, and really because of his identity of being a dreamer. Now this morning I'm going to get into this message and it's not going to be a long message because I've asked the, the, the worship team to come back up and as we start this new year to understand that as God has given you something and He hasn't given you something yet of a vision of your life uh, that, that it's so important for us to get alone with God. Do you hear me? Sometimes it takes us just getting away from all the stuff in our life. I didn't say bad stuff. All the little things that are nagging the ankle biters and the, 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 you know, the coat pullers and all the little things that, that don't open the mail. Don't open the bills. Who left the lights on? All, you know what I mean? All those little ankle biters, all those things that get alone with God. I believe that sometimes when you talk about having a dream, sometimes it might happen better at night when you're not thinking about everything else. Your mind begins to slow down, begins to calm down. Sometimes in, in the culture that we live, we're going so fast that even when there's a moment of a break, what do we do? We're beginning to look for the computer, the little phone, the little whatever we can to begin to look into and begin to study. Something's got to keep our minds active. Watch TV. Let's turn on the TV. Several years ago, I read a, an, an article talking about a newspaper article that had been written because of an incident that happened in Biloxi, Mississippi. And the story was that a lady, and she was pretty young, and she had uh, gotten so discouraged that she didn't see anything worth of her life. There was just nothing, everything had gone bad, and, and it seemed like it just was a, a, a cycle of things that had gone wrong in her life. And she just came to her wits end, she said, you know what, I'm done. And one night she went out to the bridge over the Mississippi River and, and she decided, you know what, I'm going to kill myself. This is just crazy. My life isn't worth it. It'd be better if I just end all the sorrow and all the misery and, you know. And let me tell you, maybe you have never had suicidal tendencies or even mindset or a, a thought of that. But let me tell you, we all get to a place where we're like, you know what, I don't like this. Well, she had gotten, and a lot of times when you entertain that, I believe you open yourself up for demonic attack on your life. And, and, and all those thoughts become so strong in your life, you go, hey, why not? You entertain the conversation. And just like that, she pulls herself up to that table and begins to, to think about all those things. So she goes out to that bridge over the Mississippi River, and, and she's out there, she looks around, there's nobody there, and she thinks, okay, nobody. So she jumps into the water. But there was a man there that was under, kind of under her, not, she didn't see him, and, and without thinking, he jumped in to save her. 
But before he could even think about it, he didn't realize he couldn't swim. So he hits the water just after she did, and, and, and here she is about ready to go under, and, and she hears the screams of this guy. Help! Help me! The article says she swam over and, and got him around the neck and, and swam backstroke all the way to the shore and got him out of the water and saved his life. The person writing the newspaper article said, the man didn't save her life that night. It was her seeing that her life had purpose. And that purpose got her thinking that her life wasn't worthless, that it had an objective, and that she could do more than just dwell on the negative and all the things that had gone wrong in her life. It saved her life. Now this morning, I want you, because this is the word, if there is a buzzword in this sermon, if there's a word that you go over and, and you're having lunch with somebody and someone said, what do you preach on today? And you go, uh, here it is. There's something about a dream from God that gives you purpose and mission. And with a dream, you won't waste your life. And when we get alone with God and we begin to pray, we say, God, I want to have a purpose. Give me a vision of what you have set up for me in my life. I'm not here by accident. I'm not just going through the life, you know, my life just with my eyes closed thinking, you know, what's tomorrow? No, God, there's, there's things in my life that you have given me. And so many people will walk through life and there'll be all kinds of opportunities and they'll come to their uh, senior citizens' years and they go, I'm still waiting for God to give me a purpose. In a nice way, I say, could you open your eyes? Because God is giving you all these opportunities to serve. You know, I, I, I kind of... Uh, have gotten to enjoy uh, the coffee shop that our church has built and opened at the end of November and, and, and just all the people that have come in and, and I've got to meet and, and I kind of fly low, you know. There, there's something about when I'm at a haircut place or something and I say that I'm a pastor and I don't know the barber or the you know hairstylist, they kind of get nervous and I look like I got a mohawk when I'm out. It's the same thing when I'm in a coffee shop. If I say I'm the pastor, well, hallelujah, thine the glory. How you doing, pastor? I go to church too. But if I just kind of sit there and talk, well, how you doing in your life? There's just something about it that they, they can open up and they can kind of enjoy maybe somebody talking to them in a different way. There's all kinds of aspects about the coffee shop. But one of them that I love is, is Paula. Paula, I'm going to throw out a shout out to you this morning. Paula Pierce uh, cleans, she has a cleaning company. And, and just to, as we're talking about having a purpose and stuff, you know, you know, there, there's something about having a purpose that you just kind of go, you know, I've got some investment in that place. I've got some investment in that place. And Paula's invited people and she's, she lives in Justin, which not Justin, but uh, help me out, Paula. Joshua, down where I used to live in Burleson. So it's a long drive up here. But Paula comes up and, and she's, she's looking through the coffee shop and she, you know th there's a difference between Heath, my son, and Luke cleaning, you know what I mean? And, and then a professional cleaner. Their brother Mark says, Amen! Amen! <laughs> Paula, I got three bedrooms at my house that could Mark, Luke, and Heath. 
But anyway, anyway, the, the, the Paula comes in and instead of going, man, somebody needs to clean that area over there. She goes, I'm going to come up here Tuesday and I'm going to take care of that right there. And, and there's something about having something that you do that God has given you and you begin to look with eyes. God, what is it that I could do? What is the vision that, you, that gets me up in the morning and says, you know what, I can do that. When you think about it, the Wright brothers dreamed of flying one day. And, and this morning, if one of us wanted to go to Hawaii, we wouldn't have to take a rowboat. We could fly. Because of someone that had a dream that was bigger than what the reality of the day was. When you think about Thomas Edison had a dream of electricity. And this morning, instead of having to have the windows open or candles in here to see each other, and, and I have a bullhorn, you know, hey, we have electricity that can run those things. Even though people before them would thought the dream was crazy, they refused to hear that. When you think about Bill Gates, and I don't know how you feel about Bill Gates, but he had a, a dream that a computer could be on everybody's desk. Or he had a thought that even like Steve Jobs, that everybody could own a, a computer. And you know what? Most people during those days when computers started would say, why would anybody, just average people, why would they even need a computer? See, a lot of people, you know, when, when I was growing up, I was probably about 10 years old, and I went over to my uncle's, and he was kind of an IT guy back then. There was no IT guy back then. He just liked tech stuff, you know, kind of, kind of uh, computers. And he had gone to this company and bought these computers, and he had about four computers about the size of this piano. And they would have the, it looked like a big washing machine kind of, and, and it would spin around this, tip, and you'd put in these little punch cards, and he goes, watch this. And they spit it out there. <laughs> I don't get it. So when the little information I knew about computers, and then I'm hearing that everybody can have a computer, well, I don't have room for one of them jokers, and I don't really want a punch card that's... See, when you get a dream, some people will only judge you and, and be able to say negative things against you based on their reality of their vision, of their perspective of where they're at right now in their life. This is Joseph. And when you think about it, what could we all and the people of this area benefit from you having a dream? Let me see your hand. If you've ever known somebody that's had cancer, can I, can I see your hand? If you ever have known somebody that's had, that's all of us. I believe that someone's going to find the cure for cancer through the wisdom of God, and it's because people didn't. That person did not say, "Oh, they've been looking for years, and you never can find the." cure. If all of us tomorrow ran out of food, and let me get to the necessities, huh? Food and water. If we ran out and someone said, you know what? I, I, I know where we can get food and water. And we go, I, no, no. We'd say, where? 
And I believe each one of us has that purpose and that dream that's locked inside of us. And when we allow God to be God in us, all of a sudden that dream can become alive in our lives. And, and it helps the people that are around us. Jacob, which was Joseph's father, put a coat of many colors on his son. Now again, I believe there's something about that empowerment to dream. And just as fathers and mothers, when we put our favor on our children, it raises their level of expectations. Do you hear me? There's something about favor. And it's good to know that our Heavenly Father is our Father. There's something about identity that makes us rock solid through the storm. And when we realize that our Father has given favor on our life and He says, you know what? I don't care where you go. You can even walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You know what? I'm going to be with you every step of the way. You don't have to fear. And there's something about that identity in, in, in Christ that makes us and empowers us to say, God, just give it to me. Give me a dream. And as we begin to walk out that dream, there, there's something about that identity in us that when things come, it's up to us to go, no, God has given me this. And I'm going to stand on his promises because he's a promise keeper. Now, let me give you the eight stages of a dream. If you have your notes, write these down because this is very important for you just to walk through. Now, when I believe with all my heart, when we get alone with God and when we seek His face, now again, we just spend time with God, get all the stuff, put all the necessities, all the, you know, the children and all that. Maybe it's in the middle of the night. Maybe you're going to have to change your sleeping patterns for a while and just say, you know what, God, the only time that I can get alone with you and let all the stuff be over there is in this time of the night. But when we get alone with God and God begins to speak to us, this is what I have for you. Watch what what is so important. The first stage, and and again, is the I thought it stage. This is the time that the revelation begins to come. It's the what if I actually could walk in that purpose. Now let me tell you just how John Miller works. is I I can be, uh, I, I believe in the Holy Spirit being inside of me and I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit can speak to me. And if you don't believe that, I believe the Bible in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says that, that we have the mind of Christ. And as the Holy Spirit begins to speak me, speak to me on a subject or a direction in my life to give me a dream on where I'm going, I mean, it, it's been stuff that I, I thought, no way. Some of you don't realize or know that all of my statue, I raised miniature Texas Longhorns. Now, is there anything sounding more crazy than that right there? But to get a dream to be able to do that when I'm a city slicker, huh? I say, what God? Now again, it's just a process that I'm working out, and it's the I thought it stage. And I believe that a lot of times in our life, when we get to this stage of I thought it, you know, we just kind of, uh-uh, that's not for me. And we let it, Just pass on by. The next stage is that I caught it. And I believe that when we begin to entertain what God has given us in our life and put into our life, then all of a sudden there's a a catching it. it. It can become contagious. There's a sense of excitement and a wow factor that goes off on the inside of it. And when you see somebody in this stage, let me just tell you right now, don't discourage them. 
Our family has been blessed so much by little cows with long horns. My partner says that right there. We had a great year. And there's no way that the Millers could do that without God. I remember telling some of my closest friends. And they went, that that sounds pretty cool. I remember the time when I caught the, the dream of building a coffee shop on our property. See, the first people that I said, they thought, well, that's pretty nice. But they thought that it would be kind of in that back corner. And they said, don't we already have a coffee shop in our church? But when I began to tell them about what God was putting into my heart, all of a sudden they began to catch it. And it became exciting. And there's something about telling that what, what you're going to do next, it, it, it'll separate usually people from saying, there goes that dreamer. To wow, how can I be a part of that? How can I encourage you in that? Now the third stage is the I bought it stage. That is the stage that you're willing to pay the price for the dream. Not Pastor John paying the price, your mom or dad paying the price. And a lot of times this is the stage that is the most important because that stage is when people become victims when they're not willing to pay the price. God has given them a dream and put it in their heart and it becomes exciting and they begin. And then the first time of an expense that comes up, they go, hey, and I'm not just talking about money. All of a sudden they begin to go, well, you know, no, maybe I'm too old. Maybe I'm too young. Maybe I'm not educated enough. Maybe I'm not, maybe I'm not, maybe I'm not. We'll go back to that stage. But the next stage is the I got it stage. Now this is the harvest. Nobody plants seed expecting nothing to come up. How crazy would that be to go out and plant your whole yard in grass and go, what kind of grass? I don't know. Well, when's it supposed to come up? I don't really expect it to come up. I just had some free time, so I went out there and planted some seeds. I don't know about you, but I'm not doing that. So when it comes to this stage of I got it stage, that's the stage when it manifests into the physical realm, what is visible. It, it's, it's, not, it's not now just visible. It's always been real. It's just now visible. Did, did I say that right? This is the stage where you actually see what you've been believing by faith for with your eyes, not just with your faith. This is so exciting to me when I began to see uh, a building, two buildings come out of the ground. Now, now again, we have seen this over and over in our lives where we drive in one of the fastest growing areas in the country. <clears throat> And people see houses go up and people moving in within a few months. But for a pastor that's going to be acting as general contractor, as Pastor Key says, I'm with him. You know, I, I, I don't know where we plug in our hammers. I don't know that. So to, to believe something by faith and get excited about it and say, okay, we're going to be willing to pay the price. We're going to see it happen. But boy, let me tell you, it's sweet when you've got the church down there for dedication services a couple of weeks ago and, and we're singing and those acoustical, or that acoustics in the building is, he's a way maker. 
miracle worker, promise keeper. Let me tell you, I, I, I can't tell you how I felt on that day. That what I've been believing for, what the vision that God had given me, the dream that was birthed in my heart, I, I remember exactly where it was. But now I can see it with my eyes as our church is worshiping inside of buildings that are going to be used for His glory. Then the last stage is the I taught it stage. And that's when you can share it with somebody else. Let me tell you again, this last week, and it's funny that really this week was January 1st, the beginning of the year. And on December 31st, I stopped in right before some family members had come over to our house. And it, it kind of a long day and there's some things that had happened that kind of got me a little bit discouraged and it was evening and of course at night it seems like it's a little, you know, not only darker, but darker. And I remember that I, I pulled into the coffee shop just to tell those, you know, hey, did you have a good day and I'll see you next year, <laughs> you know, and all that. And I pulled into the coffee shop and, and I kind of jumped out and I had some stuff to run in and two couples were coming out and they had this look on their face, you know. And they go, are you the owner? And I said, something like that. Thinking that I'm a group of owners with a group of owners. Anyway, so, so they said, well, let me... And they got back out of the car. Let me just tell you. We were on our way to our New Year's party and, you know, we read the story online of what you do as far as buying your coffee and all the things that are going on in this coffee shop. And we were on our way really before now to go to one of your competitors' coffee shops. You know, we, we love that place, but let me tell you, there's something about this place. The customer service, the people that work here. Let me tell you, we open restaurants and you've got it going on. Let me tell you, they couldn't have stopped me and said, here's a thousand dollars would have made me, hear me, any more feel rewarded than that right there. What God had given me years, it seemed like years ago as a dream, to be able to walk that out and those people to go, you know what, this, this coffee shop is where we're going to be. I believe that people like that, we've, we've seen several people, several people that come in like that and groups that come out and they say, you know what? There, there's something about this coffee shop. You, you know what the next step of evangelism is, is. Let me tell you what it is. But people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And so as they're coming back and they're saying, hey, hey, what's your name again? I said, John. He said, John, why are you close on Sunday? I'm glad you asked that. Because we don't have to be. A group meets here on Sundays if you want to meet with us. And all of a sudden, people begin to see. So you're telling me a group of people and they look out the window down there at that church, built this coffee shop. It's kind of like the hillbilly. Well, Jethro, I've never heard that before. 
I taught at stage, when we begin to share it with other people. Now again, look at verse 19. It says, here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Because there's a process. Look at the process of the dream. He dreamed a dream and his family made fun of his dream. Again, let me, let me encourage you, just because you go through difficulties, don't buy into the fact that God is it that's not in it. God, you're not in it because I went through some difficulties. Come on. He was known for his dream as really for, for his name. There's the dreamer. And all of a sudden, these critics begin to criticize him. And again, critics will always identify you of what your purpose is in life. The second process is the Word of God says he dreamed another dream that was even bigger. Here's a guy that's being criticized with it. He says, look out! i got another dream that God has given me. And this morning, I want you to get into this passage in Genesis chapter 37 if you've never read it because we'll continue it next week. But I want you to see that because the critics came out didn't mean that he said, you know what, I'm not going to pay for the dream. I'm just going to stay right here. Here's what I want us to kind of get to the place that, that we understand that these brothers, they looked at Joseph and knew that all they had to do to stop the dream was to stop Joseph. But think about it. How stupid. I know we don't say stupid, but let's say it. How stupid were they, their brothers, the brothers there, because they didn't realize who his partner in the dream was. Jehovah Jireh. Our provider. And here he is, and God is bought into, or Joseph is bought into God's dream, and the enemy isn't smart enough. Our enemy says, all I have to do, I'm, not, I'm smart enough to know that I can't stop God, so all I have to do is to stop your dream, is to stop you in believing that God can provide and resource the dream into manifestation, into being visible. All the enemy says, all I have to do is just to stop the dream, is to get you to say God isn't good enough and doesn't love you enough to provide the answer to the dream. If you're taking notes, write this down. No one's no competes with God's yes. Just because the critic said, no way, we're going to stop that dream. Could it compete with God's yes, I'm going to make a way. I'm going to make a way. When God says yes, listen, all we have to do is stay the course. We just got to walk, keep walking by faith. The Bible says that they put him in a pit. They put him down in a cistern in a pit, and, and there's no motion in a pit. You just have to sit there, stand there, but that's it. And, and again, I, I begin to think about this, and it seems like the dream has stopped. And through the process of a dream becoming visible, not real, it's already real, but becoming visible, in every dream, really, there's a death, a burial, and a resurrection. There's always going to be critics. There's always going to be a time when you got, come to grips with God. I can't do this on my own. And a lot of times when it gets into the place where we don't see motion, if we're not careful, we start taking a step back and going, I'm a victim. God didn't come through. But it's different, it seems, in Joseph's life. 
Now, maybe the pit felt like the favor had been stripped off him because the robe had been taken away from him. But the coat was nothing but a sign of the outward favor that was already on his life. I want you to hear that. And sometimes when we go through this whole process of watching God work in our life in 2019, we feel like the, the, the motion comes to stop. And we say, you know what? God, your favor isn't on me anymore. And sometimes we begin to panic and we let our emotions, motion, lead us into what we do next. And a lot of times that's quit. In chapter 37, verse 23, it says this, so when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of, of his robe, the richly ornamented robe he was wearing, and they took him and threw him into a cistern. Now the cistern was empty, and there was no water in it. You know, let, let me just use that for a minute, because you know, a lot of times when there's no motion, there, there feels like there's no uh, spiritual dryness that comes into their life. Now I know I'm using this as a parallel. J just go with me. But one characteristic of when we feel like the dream has come to still a, a stop and we begin to say, God, where's the favor on my life? And, and there's a spiritual dryness. We begin to think, uh-oh, I haven't experienced a win in a while. But it goes back to that buying it stage. I bought it. When we are able to pay the price, it doesn't just happen. It happens all the way through the dreaming process. And let me tell you, sometimes when all you can do is stand, stand some more. When you can't see it, taste it, touch it, then the faith has to dwell up in you. I, I don't have to see it. I don't have to have immediate motion happen in my life. That doesn't mean that you begin to say, you know, I'm good here. No, you begin to, again, by faith, say, God, I believe what you have given me. All I have to do is stay the course. The Bible says that the brothers began to talk and they come up with an idea of wanting to kill Joseph. But one of his brothers, Judah, decided and talked him into selling him. Now again, I'm going to use this kind of as a stretch, but here's Judah. And the word Judah, the actual name Judah means praise. And sometimes when we get in the pit, when we feel like we're in spiritual dryness and there's no motion, I, I, can I use, I'm, going to, I'm preaching, so I'm going to preach like I want to here. Sometimes when we get in the pit and there's no spiritual, it feels like it's dry and we're going, God, I can't. Sometimes we need to just go, you know what? I'm going to get again by myself or you know what? I'm going to get down to the chapel and I'm going to praise God. I've got a hundred things I can do and every time I take a step out of the door, I know that all these things come up, but I need some praise up in here. I know that God has given me the dream and God is working on my life and I believe for my children. I believe for those people at work. You know, Pastor, they put me in a hellhole at work and I just want to get out. God put you there and the anointing is on your life for that problem. And maybe God has given you a dream for a breakthrough in your job and your, your workforce that's around you. And again, if we can begin to praise God for what He has done, 
We talked about that. Tell the story. Tell yourself the story of all the past favor that God has brought you through and all the things that He's done. Tell the story to yourself first. Then tell the, as the confession comes out of your mouth of the goodness of God, His mercies are new every morning, and you begin to say that, all of a sudden, you know what? You begin to praise God. God, thank you. And again, praise keeps the dream alive. Praising God what he's going to do in the future. I I want to just take just about five minutes and then I'll wrap this up. But in Ezekiel chapter 46, I found this verse 9. If you're a worshiper, look at this. Ezekiel 46 verse 9. When the people of the land come before the Lord at the appointed feast, this is God speaking and giving them, whoever enters by the north gate to worship is to go out the south gate. This is the north. Come in the north gate, yeah, go out the south gate. And whoever enters by the south gate is to go out the north gate. No one is to return through the gate by which he has entered, but each is to go out the opposite gate. I believe that when you come into the temple to worship, you will leave opposite than you came. Have you ever done that before? Have you ever got here and you think, man, this is a tough week, man. And all of a sudden the music begins to play. And all of a sudden you begin going, okay, I can worship or I can be timid. You know, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Pastor, I'm just very not. No, it's because you don't have the Word of God living inside of you. You need to dwell in the Word of God and get alone with God. And when you get here, there's nothing but when that worship starts, you know, <laughs> he's a way maker. I need a way. He's a way maker. And all of a sudden, your eyes begin to light up. You won't leave like you came. The song says, you won't leave the way you came, bound, oppressed, tormented, sick or lame. Because the Holy Ghost of Acts is still the same. You won't leave here like you came in Jesus' name. Again, church begins to re-energize the flesh of the spirit man and you begin to sing and you're around people and all of a sudden what was dry, now you leave refreshed and ready to go again. This morning, I would like our worship team to come back and then we're going to end it by taking the offering and just giving you a few announcements. But, But listen to this. In the next just few minutes, just maybe one or two songs, I want you to go, God, I believe that the dream that you have purposed in my heart, God, it might be dry now, but oh, I'm, I'm, oh, 2019, look out! Tell yourself that. Well, I feel kind of crazy saying that, Pastor. Let me tell you, you're not blind by what the Word of God speaks over your life. You have overcome this life. In Jesus' name, would you stand? I dare you to worship better than you have ever worshipped before. Allow God to worship, or let God to uh, just, just bathe you in the anointing while you begin to worship His name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.